Beeman comments at youtube.com slash Sacktown Sports. Hit that like button while you're there, Beeman. And all the rest of you, we were talking about Shaq and not being able to find him to serve him the papers in the FTX lawsuit. Beeman says, and this was actually an image that popped into my head of like Shaq dodging process servers. And he says, well, he did put a top hat and glasses on, so nobody noticed him. (laughs) So he had the fake mustache, too. Yeah. So they had no chance. Hey, is that Shaq? No. No, that can't be him. That's what I was picturing. Shaq doesn't wear glasses like that. This man who's built like a Sasquatch, (laughs) who sticks out like a sore thumb in every room that he's in, and process servers be like, we just can't seem to track this guy down. With the funny funny nose and mustache glasses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what I was imagining. You can comment at youtube.com slash Sacktown Sports. That's Whitey Gleason in for Nick Cattles, who's back on Tuesday. Simone and Jay on the other side of the glass. We'll talk about this surprise surgery for Jimmy Garoppolo coming up at 315. But uh, interesting piece from John Hollinger today over at The Athletic, as he often does. The man is good at what he does. And the, the piece is titled... Uh, Hollinger, Warriors, Mavs, Hawks, Timberwolves highlight NBA's summer of stuckness. And what what he's talking about in this article, Whitey, is is teams that have made those these big splash trades here in in recent off seasons and now are kind of locked into the rosters that they have like it or not, and Mm -hmm. for better or worse. And I'll just read a paragraph out of the piece by John Hollinger. He says, taking a step back, the underlying problem with most all-in moves is that they basically lock a team into a roster. With little flexibility to make further adjustments, sometimes it works out. Denver, for instance, is quote-unquote stuck flexibility-wise, but with an awesome team that it actually likes. Nonetheless, after the initial euphoria of that first run with a shiny new star, we're about to hit the other side of the wave in several cities. He points uh, to the Clippers, who started this whole thing with the -the over-the-top Paul George trade in 2019. They sent Oklahoma City five firsts and a future all-star in Shea Gildas-Alexander. You also have, uh, he has a whole list of teams here. Let me scroll down. Atlanta, Brooklyn, Phoenix, I think is Dallas, Golden State, the Clippers, Miami, although they're they're kind of in the same boat as Denver where they're probably happy with it. Milwaukee. And he says, welcome to the capital city of Stuckville, Minneapolis, Minnesota, where they traded uh, almost all their future in the Rudy Gobert trade. And yes, the Phoenix Suns that all those teams stuck roster wise with with what they've done in, in the draft picks that they've traded. And so on and so forth. And that got me to thinking, Whitey, we've talked, we've kicked around the idea this offseason of the Kings making some kind of big splash trade of packaging. You want Kyrie. That's your dream acquisition. (laughs) Well, that would be a free agent acquisition. But packaging a Kevin Herter or a Davion Mitchell or or a sign and trade with Harrison Barnes with a future first round pick and, and, and getting somebody who can come over and help this team and accelerate the process a little bit of making this a championship caliber team outside of now outside of next year where they, they they have a top 14 protected pick that was traded to Atlanta in the Kevin Herter deal. And then they also have a pick that goes to the Pistons. I don't, I'm not even sure what trade that was in, but they're also getting second round picks back next year from, uh, from the Ray Blazers Lyles? and the Mavericks. Know. I'm not I'm not sure, but mm-hmm. other than that, their draft picks are pretty much freed up for the next few years outside of 2024. Would you want the Kings to to make one of these 
big splash type of trades this offseason and and bring somebody over here to add to Domas and Fox as 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 your core? Well, or do you want to keep the roster flexibility over the next few years? Obviously, depends who we're talking about. Sure. And a lot of these deals have been for superstars that change your entire culture, like the Suns with Durant. And they didn't entirely change the culture, but clearly it's like, wow, he's one of, if not the guy now. George and Kawhi Leonard going to the Clippers. So I can't see the Kings doing that for a couple of reasons. One would be, let's be honest, those types of players, that caliber of player now, they can pretty much go where they want to go, sure. right? They get to call their own shot. I was thinking today coming in about when the Kings years ago acquired, acquired pardon me, Chris Webber, who didn't really want to be here. That probably wouldn't happen in today's NBA because the players more than ever have the right to say, don't trade me there because I'm not going there. Um, so I don't know that there are a lot of guys that would be interested in coming here with the Kings. And I think the Kings, uh, they they – already made their all-in move, I think, last year. It wasn't as dramatic as those, but I think the Halliburton trade was their all-in move. So you uh, – yeah, I could I could see that. but Not as dramatic as the ones you're talking about, they, I know. They also did that while doing what, what we're talking about here, which is if that didn't work, if if the Domas trade didn't work, it would have hurt, you yeah. know, because you, you traded a good player with Tyrese Halliburton going the other way, but – you kept future draft picks. Mm-hmm. You kept roster flexibility. I mean, hell, now we look at it, Whitey, as you need to make sure that this is a place where Domas wants to stay beyond yeah. 2024 when his, when his contract is up next year. When, when they brought him over, it was Domas has two-plus years to prove to the Kings and Kings fans that this is a guy – who they can they can build around and he can be part of the core. You know what I mean? And if not, they had that flexibility of oh, in in a couple of years we can get out from under this contract. I think and and you're right in like the super superstars kind of even in a trade just decide where they're going, but in in just a couple of the examples that that I brought up of teams that have handcuffed themselves roster-wise and by by trading so many of their draft picks Atlanta got DeJounte Murray. I don't think he was at a level or a status yet where he was going to tell the Spurs where he was going to get traded. Also, um, uh, with with Minnesota, I don't think Rudy Gobert was necessarily in a position to tell him, tell them where he was going to go. Ben Simmons is another guy who is absolutely <laughs> in no position to tell the 76ers where he was going to go. Those types of moves could be on the table for a Sacramento Kings team. But quite frankly, and DeJounte Murray is a good young ball player and 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 can fill it up when you talk about a, a box score. But honestly, I think that unless you do have a sure thing, Whitey, in terms of a, a superstar, if you're getting a superstar in return, a guy that you know is a superstar, and you're not going, well, I hope this he blossoms into something. You know what I mean? Or I hope it can work with this guy that we have here or these two guys that we have here. If it's not that, I'm not I'm not pushing all those chips to no. the center of the table because right. I want to keep the, the flexibility and the ability – to pivot on the plan. We still don't, we still don't know. And I don't, I hate to be like the wet blanket here. We still don't know if this plan that the Kings have in place is necessarily going to work. We've seen, we got what we got one good year out of it. Whitey, and I, I think it's promising. I think there's something to build on and more to come, but we don't know that for sure. And the flexibility that they have right now, let's say this thing blows up in their face as, as soon as next year, 
They can get out from under Domas and make another move with that money. You know what I mean? And they'll continue to have this flexibility as long as they have these draft picks and these contracts are stacked upright. They'll have the ability to pivot and change the plan or correct course if this thing doesn't go exactly how they thought it would. Another thing that I think the smart organizations keep in mind, and I think the Kings have kept this in mind, when you're making major moves like this, there are no shortcuts. We saw this with the Nets. We got uh, Durant's coming, and we're getting Kyrie, and we'll get Harden. Yeah, but that doesn't mean you're going to have a good team. Seriously, in addition to what it does to you uh, for your in the future and your assets, but there aren't sh- shortcuts to putting together a really good basketball team. Uh, Dallas tried it this year. We'll bring in Kyrie, and maybe it'll work. Eh. And we, we see it with Harden, you know, everywhere he goes. So there are no shortcuts, and that's you can't just go out, get big players, plug them in, and then think, well, they're real, they're superstars, so this will work. The Clippers are a great example, and look what has happened in Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City makes the trade uh, for Paul George, and Oklahoma City is building and building, and that is a team coming together that looks like they could be formidable. They could be pretty good next. They were pretty good this year. That team is getting better and better and better. It's organically built. There are no shortcuts. So that's the other danger of trying to, we're going to trade our draft picks for these superstars, and then we'll mash them together. We're going to be a great team. It doesn't work. I also think that you do have to. Now, to me, it takes a backseat to to talent and and just, you know, compiling as as much talent and quality basketball players as you possibly can. But you also have to weigh in. How much do you want to change in one offseason when you have as good of chemistry and as good a locker room as the Kings had? And, 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 you, saw, and you built something there in the first year under Mike Brown. There, you, you always want to upgrade the talent. And I've said, hey, if you can do better than Harrison Barnes, do better than Harrison Barnes. Or if you can re- rely on Harrison Barnes less, maybe, maybe put him in, in a position where he's coming off the bench because you upgraded his spot in the starting lineup. Great. But I think there are only – so many changes you can make, Whitey, before you do run the risk of 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 fracturing the yeah. that that chemistry and that bond that those guys built together in the first year under Mike Brown. Mm-hmm. There's going to be turnover, but I just think you have to be conscious of where it is and how much it is before you start to put that in jeopardy. You yeah, know what I mean? I do. And let's be honest, we weren't sure that the Sabonis Fox tandem was going to work because you go back to not the season we just finished but the year before you know he when Sabonis first got here took a while for that to come together so you got to have a vision and you got to be patient it's you almost always knee-jerk reaction yes give me make the trade give me the star player you know what I mean but yeah that's been really detrimental to a lot of franchises lately there are drawbacks to it man and if if it doesn't work you really are kind of Locked in. DeJounte Murray might be on the trade block again. Like that that's where the Hawks are right now. They they might have to trade him to try and recoup what what they lost in the trade for him and sort of hit the reset button on this whole thing. And they don't even know what's going on with Trey Young. Yeah, they gotta get rid of Trey Young. And I know your Lakers supposedly are interested in Trey Young. How'd they become my Lakers? Don't do that. Huh? You want Sacramento. Kyrie? Not my Sacramento. Lakers are gonna be great don't when we that. get Kyrie. Don't do that to me. Not in Sacramento. Don't make me the heel by calling them my Lakers. I make cattles the heel on this show. Don't make oh, me okay. All right. Maybe I misspoke. <laughs> that's 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 my role on this show, Whitey. How dare you? to troll and antagonize how dare you sir pull that on me we'll hit a quick break on the other side to jimmy g pull a fast one on the raiders we'll discuss next cattles and rami Satow sports that's the show cattles out whitey in for nick jay and simone 
on the other side of the glass. Uh, we were talking earlier in the week, Whitey, 49ers OTAs underway, and we are your home for Sacramento home for mm-hmm. 49ers football, Niner gang out there. But uh, the Raiders, obviously plenty of people around here still have their, their allegiances to the now Las Vegas Raiders. They started their OTAs yesterday. I think they're getting on the field today. Yesterday was, you know, measurements and uh, here's check into your room or whatever. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what they do on that first day, but, you know, just logistics. And I you get that per diem envelope. Yes, for sure. Got it. Now it's Zell now. <laughs> they Zell it, literally. <laughs> Is that how they do it now? They just Zell it right to your account? Yes. Yeah. That's, that, that's not a bad deal. I like that. It's better than the envelope. Money is dirty. You used to get the gold envelope, had to sign off. Now it's, now it's just right there. It's just boom. There, it's in your account. Technology, I, baby. I like that. Love that direct deposit. But uh, I saw a note that Jimmy Garoppolo not participating in the team's OTAs. That was the first thing I saw this morning. I was like, that's weird. I never, like, overreact to a guy not participating in OTAs. You know what I mean? Guys have all sorts of reasons to not participate in OTAs. But I was like, first year, new quarterback. That's kind of weird that he's not there. But okay. And then we learned, Whitey, that it's because he had foot surgery after his signing in the offseason, which they didn't reveal to us until now. And he suffered the injury while playing for the Niners on December 6, 2022. And uh, they thought it might be a Liz Frank fracture, which requires surgery. But Niners team doctors concluded it was a different type of fracture that didn't require surgery and had a recovery timeline of about two months. So Garoppolo, he pushed to try and come back before it was clear that Brock Purdy was, you know, the guy and, and he wouldn't be getting his job back. But he was trying to be fully healthy. There was a chance he'd be ready or be able to play in the Super Bowl if they got that far. Exactly. But then the first indication something may be amiss came when Garoppolo arrived at team headquarters in Henderson, Nevada to sign his contract on March 16th. He left without signing the contract, though. Then people were like, hmm, that's weird. But then he signed a day later. They didn't tell us why. They didn't say anything about why he did. It took a day to sign the contract. But now, according to a league source, the Raiders discovered during his physical that that foot actually did need surgery, and the procedure was done after his introduction. Here's Raiders head coach Josh McDaniels talking about the situation. Um, I know that Jimmy G was coming off a, a foot injury. Has he been cleared to get on the field yet? And, uh, will he be- There's a number of guys. You won't see him today. There's a number of guys that you're not going to see. Uh, again, I'm not going to – you'll see him. I mean, I'm not going to run down a list every time here, but um, – you know, no, he's he's going through his process just like we knew he would. Um, nothing has happened that would surprise us based on, you know, the information we had. Same thing with Tyree. Again, you know, there's a number of guys you're not going to see out there today. So, um, you know, rehabbing the things that they're rehabbing. And, again, we know we don't play a game for over 100 days. So, um, you know, they're doing everything they can do to, to get right. And when they're all ready to go, then eventually they'll be, they'll be back on the field. Why do you, you uh, would be waited oh, until training camp for, for Jimmy to get on? Could be. I mean, I'd say with all these guys, it's about the same. Like I said, when they're ready, um, some of them may be ready, you know, before the, the spring is over. Some of them may not, you know. And, and again, we're always going to air at this time of the year on being smart. Um, you know, we don't play a football game till, like I said, three and a half months. So um, to try to rush them out there, to get them out there in May. It's a fair point. They don't they don't play a football game for a hundred days. And plenty of time for Jimmy to get back out there on the field. Whitey, that being said, 
I know yesterday was a big deal or no big deal when we, when we usually play that game, but is this is this a big deal? Did it raise an eyebrow for you when you saw yeah. surprise offseason surgery for Jimmy Garoppolo? And I like I don't think JJ's with me, but I I like Jimmy G, but he's missed 31 games now since he uh was traded to the 49ers in 2017. Um and he's had three season-ending surgeries. So clearly here you look at the timeline and you you ran it down for us. March 13th, I think, the Raiders and Jimmy G agree to terms. He goes March 16th to sign, and they're like, no, we're not signing yet because it, it showed up in their physical. Obviously, the Raiders, they didn't know, Jimmy G, we should do a physical. And it showed up, oh, we need the surgery. <laughs> but, they, you know, they still, it's not like they signed him and then said, wait, what's going on? So they decided to sign him anyway. But, you know, I got to think, I'm not a, a doctor, but, I, you know. Oh, you're I, not. My wife works huh. at a hospital. My mom no worked at one. on this show. And I, I have been to a hospital. So, wow. you know, I think I have some level of expertise. But, you know, you have all these surgeries. A guy like Jimmy, there's got to be on some level kind of a cumulative effect, too. It's not like he had a surgery, he's fine now. He had another surgery, another body part, oh, but he's fine. You know what I mean? It just, he, not only does he appear to be brittle, but it just has got to take a toll on you when you repeatedly are having season-ending surgeries. Yeah, you 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 touched on it, Whitey. This, if this was almost anybody else, I'm going ah, whatever. I'm 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 saying what what Josh McDaniel said. 100 days till they play football. Plenty of guys are recovering from surgery right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a brutal sport. Plenty of guys are somewhere laid up recovering from surgery and and hoping to be ready in time for training camp. But since Garoppolo became a starter after being traded from the Patriots to the Niners in 2017, he's missed 31 regular season games. He's suffered three season-ending injuries. And the Raiders had that context when signing him to this deal. It, their offseason continues to be confounding to me, yeah. Whitey. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying don't move on from Derek Carr. You, you made that choice. You moved on from Derek Carr. But just like we were talking about with NBA coaches a, a day or two ago, and we said, if you're going to show a guy the door, Who's 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 got a track record of success? The first thing you got to ask yourself before you open that door is go, okay, but who are we going to get? How do we get better at at this most crucial of of positions? How do we get better there before we push this guy out the door? And your answer was Jimmy Garoppolo, and that was still your answer. After after this guy has missed 31 regular season games, has suffered three season-ending injuries in the last five years, and you found a broken foot that was going to require surgery in his physical, and that was still the answer to how do we upgrade at the quarterback position? That that boggles my mind, Whitey. I can't wrap my head around that decision. I think I can't. I don't disagree with you, but I think I know what's going on. And by the way, as 49er fans know... Not only did Jimmy have the three season-ending surgeries, but the previous year, when we all thought it was gonna, he was going to be done, he finished the year with an avulsion fracture in his hand, like Sabonis played with. So he played through that, and he also hurt his ribs against Dallas. So he played through that, but even the year before this year, he was hurt. I, it, to me, it speaks to Josh McDaniels' kind of desperation, like, well, this guy knows my system. I I need him because Jimmy, I worked with him, and he knows what I'm doing, and he's got to be my guy. Okay, but, it, you know, he previously blew up his knee, and now he's got a foot that they got to operate on. It's all right. I, he's going to be my guy. I have faith in Jimmy. I think it's got to be a reflection of a little desperation on the coaches. See, behind. you say desperation. I think it's 
And stupidity? I think it's uh, ignorance. It, it's a uh, it's 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 an arrogant stupidity. Uh-huh. <laughs> you, know, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Of no, that's stupidity. Uh, often is. I, I I know he I know he's gotten injured a lot. I I know he's limited. It's kind of like what we were talking about with Kyle Shanahan and Sam Darnold. Except I trust Kyle Shanahan, and he has a track record yeah. of getting it right. You know what I mean? Where with Josh McDaniels, you don't have that. It's him looking at Jimmy. And going no, that it'll work for me. I know, I know, I know it hasn't necessarily worked for the last five years in San Francisco, but I know this guy. He knows me, and it and this this is where it's going to work. And I, I don't think it is even with a healthy Jimmy Garoppolo an upgrade. But again, you saw that in the physical and mm-hmm. still went through with it. That mm-hmm. that along with a lot of other moves this off season. And maybe we'll touch on it tomorrow. Bill Barnwell absolutely took the flamethrower out at ESPN.com on what the Raiders did this offseason. And I think this this wasn't even factored in, just throws gas maybe. on those flames of how bad this thing was. He in, didn't in the like that, what, the that they traded up in the draft. He didn't like last a lot. year. Before last year, he had said, <laughs> Bill Barnwell had said that the Seahawks had the worst offseason, and it ended up. That's he, fair. He had to say, yeah, I was wrong That's about fair. that one. We, so, can, we can dive a little deeper into it tomorrow, but yeah. just a little tease 30th out of the 32 teams and where he thought their offseason ranked. We, we can get into that a little bit tomorrow, but I, th- if he didn't, like I said, he didn't have this factored in. They might be 32nd <laughs> if you factored this in. Right yeah. after this, we might be on the precipice of something great for the sport of baseball or maybe something terrible. Depends who you ask. I don't like it. 3.30 on Sacktown Sports. Time check brought to you by Capital Casino, conveniently located on 411 North 16th Street in downtown Sacramento. You can always uh, text the show. That number is 916-339-1140. You can give us a call, 800-920-1140. And you can always comment at youtube.com slash Sports. As a lifelong Raider fan since the 1960s, I can tell you with 100% certainty that it's McDaniel's ego. He thinks he's the smartest guy in the room, and he's extremely arrogant, and he thinks Jimmy will be his guy. I don't know any Raider fans that are happy about Josh. I have uh, zero faith. And Josh McDaniels, I don't know about you, Whitey, but uh, I've had, I started with very little faith, like, hey, maybe he learned from what happened in Denver and going back to New England. And it quickly went from very little to no faith in Josh McDaniels. Yeah. You know, it's funny is if you remember before he went to Denver, I think the 49ers really wanted Josh McDaniels as their head coach. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they did. And he decided, nope, going elsewhere. Whitey, uh, you're a big baseball guy. I talked about that yesterday. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big baseball guy. Yeah. And I've said, then why do you want to ruin baseball? <laughs> I've said. That's as, my question. As we've seen these rules changes implemented in the sport of baseball, I'm going to be open to all of them. And honestly, I like just about all of them except the extra innings the runner on second rule that mm-hmm. that I don't know that feels wrong that feels wrong to me for some reason but this year in uh in triple a they're trying out the uh the robo umps the the old robo umps at the triple a level but not on a full-time basis so on Tuesdays through Thursdays the strike zone is adjudicated by the automated ball strike system and over the weekend balls and strikes are judged by the umpire's eyes but players are allowed to challenge a call 3 oh. times per game and retain their challenges 
If correct, you uh, that's you, bad. You don't seem to like this, <laughs> Whitey. You don't seem too pumped up about about this prospect. Not not a fan of the robo ump. The only thing I like about it is I can imagine a scenario where a manager is upset about a call and then he argues with the robo ump, and the robo ump is like, "No, <laughs> human," and shoots laser beams at him. <laughs> You know, and the guy's running off the back of the dugout with his pants on fire. I get to see something like that. Otherwise, you know, there's going to be unintended consequences of this. It's going to, it's, it's their baseballs at cross purposes. This is going to take longer if uh, players can challenge. If it's you take challenge longer. it, if, and if everything they they're doing it. now is to try to speed the game up. I will say, I don't like the idea of the of challenging balls. And Thank strikes. you. I don't like, but I'm all for. The idea of them just of the robots just calling balls and strikes. This was Eric Burns Burnsy. on MLB Network talking about this process. Well, I think so, and and like I told Ken Rosenthal, it was going to happen sooner rather than later. And this is a situation now where, in my opinion, it, it's it's a crime that for all these years these pitches that are six inches off the plate, six inches low, six inches high that that have been called strikes. And I'm not just from the hitter's perspective. That there's one guy that has this responsibility, and it's a very difficult job. If you think about the home plate umpires, we're sitting here at home plate. He's he's automatically eliminating half the plate, right? He can only, you can't stand over the guy like this. They get on one side. Generally, if it's a left-handed hitter, he'll be on this side. But it's very difficult to call. These guys don't have an easy job. Right. And so the, the biggest argument against the idea of automated umpires is the umpires have a union. They'll never want it. Well, you know what? Once you you, you logically talk to them, and, and the same thing happened when this is a replay, and you say, hey, guys, Look, we're trying to help you out. We're trying to give you a tool. We're trying to make your job easier. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, though, I just think it's about getting the call right. Yep, and that that's exactly where I'm at, Whitey. Let's let's put aside, and I'll bring it back in a second, but let's put aside for a second <laughs> any disdain, distaste, dislike that you might have or I personally might have for umpires we can get into that in just a second but let's let's just start with what eric burns was saying right there and it's something i've been saying for a while now which is that we are asking home plate umpires calling balls and strikes to do the damn near impossible let's let me describe to do the impossible to, let me describe in in in, in actuality okay. what these guys are doing okay so these guys have been doing the impossible yes. for more than 100 years yes okay, well, and, and, to right. do it accurately and you and, keep using that word i don't to, think to, it means what you think it means to do it accurately and correctly okay all right a baseball is traveling between 90 and nowadays 105 miles per hour over a stretch of 60 feet 6 inches and it is traveling vertically, yeah. diagonally, mm -hmm. and horizontally across any number of countless planes. And and while it's doing that, a human being with eyes has to look at that flying object and tell me and you and this guy standing at home plate and that guy standing on the mound if it indeed crossed a zone that is from, I don't know, a player's letters down to above his knees and goes through a, a zone within that zone that is in the shape of a house. Like, <laughs> that is an impossible thing. And we are not asking any... There are no jobs that, that demand that type of precision that we're still leaving up to human eyes. Every other job that requires that much precision has been, has been handed over to technology. Why not with umpires? 
Well, first of all, I don't know about you. I'm a human being. I'm not a robot, and mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of let's give the human jobs to the robots because I don't <laughs> want the robots to be my overlords. We're already halfway there, and we don't need any more of that. This is not the beginning with, of Terminator. It, uh, this is baseball, okay? That's what they said at the beginning of Terminator. <laughs> <laughs> but also, seriously, baseball has so many issues right now, and you're right. I love baseball. Baseball family. I know you love baseball. You've played baseball. Yes. Baseball has a lot of problems, and I don't see this as one of the biggest issues, given that we've dealt with somehow baseball umpires have performed this, as you say, impossible task. Poorly. For more than <laughs> Poorly. 100 years. <laughs> Poorly they've done it. I it, it drives me insane, Whitey, that guys have their own strike zones and, and that pe- that pitchers are missing pitches by a half a foot and umpires are calling them out that um, that guys are hitting the middle of the plate and umpires are calling it balls it drives me nuts there's a rule there there's a rule for what a strike zone is and every guy and this is where my my distaste for umpires and by the way not youth umpires be nice to those people they get paid very little they're often volunteers and it's just your kids playing so take it easy i'm talking about professional umpires well, who are you pointing to <laughs> the people at youtube oh okay <laughs> just take it easy they ain't buying it <laughs> take the it easy take it easy on the youth umpires <laughs> but professional umpires you throw in the fact that it's already very hard and then you throw in their egos. You got a lot of attention seekers putting on the MLB umpire human uniform. Element. It's called the human element. It's part but of I baseball. But Whitey, when you say that, you're implying that I'm there to watch an umpire, and I'm not. I'd rather not know who an umpire is. When when I when I'm watching a baseball game and they're like 12 year veteran umpire so and so, and I'm like that guy's been around for 12 years. I've never heard of him. You know what that means? He's really good at his job. That's mm-hmm. what that means. You don't hear an umpire's name until they're bad. There's a reason we know who Joe West is. There's a reason we know who Angel Hernandez is. And it's because they're bad at their jobs. And I didn't understand the whole farewell tour for Joe West last year. People were like, oh, thank you for being terrible at your job for 50 years. You know what I mean? It's Country fa- Joe, bless you. Farewell, good riddance. Is what you I remove what a vampire. <laughs> exactly. I don't know why we wouldn't want to get a, a set strike zone and to get it right 99.9% of the time. And, and every batter goes to the plate knowing what the strike zone is. Every pitcher goes to the mound knowing what the strike zone is. Every fan sits in their seat or turns on their TV or turns on their radio knowing what the strike zone is. And we all proceed on the same page instead of having to guess based on who's behind the plate and what kind of day they've had on a given day. That's baseball. It is part of the game. And you tell me one instance where technology has been introduced to sports, specifically baseball, where it hasn't gone sideways, where there haven't been unintended consequences. I love the pitch replay. clock. That's technology. I'm, I'm with the pitch clock. I'm well, all we about just, it. That's new. I mean, there's a lot to like about it. We'll see if uh, physically pitchers can hold up under the stress. We'll see. But as far as replay goes, there were unintended consequences. It slows the game down. So we'll see. I just hear you may be right, but I'm skeptical when you say 99.9% of the time they're going to get the calls right. So what's what's to argue with? Well, are we really sure that's what's going to happen? You know what I – the one argument that I've heard against stuff like this where I kind of go, okay, you might have a point, 
is when people are like, but I love managers arguing with umpires. <laughs> We're going to, the more and more we That's have, true. And the more, again. like, replay yeah. took some of that out of the game. Yes. If you have, if you have the robot umpires, that's going to take some of that, like, yep. the, the crazed manager running out of the dugout and spittling into an umpire's yes. face. And again, that's the human element. About his strike zone. Like, okay. I, I, that, that is kind of fun. I can't lie and say that that's not kind of fun. Just a quick explanation of how this works. Whitey, in a properly calibrated system, they say it completely eliminates human error, which I'm all for. Who says that? If the robots! Te- if techno- they say that! They say that uh, at AAA this year, the zone is the full width of the plate, 17 inches, with the top set at 51% of a player's height and the bottom at 27%. In a measured in a is and it's measured via a two dimensional plane, which is set at the plate's halfway depth point. Then the argument goes: Why wouldn't MLB seek perfection? What could possibly as Jeff go Passen wrong. Asks go in wrong. this article. Go wrong. Go wrong. Go wrong. <laughs> Jay, you're a big baseball guy. Pro or or against the robo umps? I'm in the middle. I really haven't made a decision on it. I know that's not hmm. the uh, the best thing to say, but <laughs> I, I mean, I've been on the, the end of everything, right? When it comes to bad, good, ugly, mm-hmm. losing championships, winning championships, getting a call, not getting a call. Uh, I mean, I can see the reasons why, and I can see the reasons why not. I think the essence of baseball, we probably don't need the, you know, the robot, as, as Whitey's saying. I do think if we're looking to be right, which is kind of what Aaron Burns is saying, mm-hmm. then, yeah, you might be able to uh, influence me. I, I'm still still a coin flip right now. I haven't figured that out, man. I'm I, I'm, I'm on the fence. Simone? Pro? I'm with you, yeah, Ron. Yeah. Why wouldn't we want to get it right? And, when, like, when people make that argument of, like, it's it's I, it's part of the – human error is part of the game. To me, the human error that, that, that should be part of the game is, like, a guy, the ball slips out of his hand while he's pulling yes. it out of his glove. You know what I mean? Or, or, or a guy, or, or a guy swings at a bad pitch. That's that's the error that the, the right. human error that should be affecting a game. The umpire should have as little effect and influence. Referees and umpires should have as little effect and influence on a game as possible, and they do that by getting calls right and getting calls correct. I didn't say human error. I said human element, and human, human error element. is part of the human sure. element, but I think it's an important distinction, and baseball has so many problems right now. I don't think, and you're right, it's frustrating when you watch a game and they're calling pitches that aren't strikes, strikes, and vice versa, but I just don't think that's one of the more pressing issues baseball needs to deal with right now. I go, <laughs> I go crazy. I forget the name of it, but there's a Twitter account I follow, which I don't know why I follow it because it just drives me crazy, where they grade an umpire's balls and strikes <laughs> mm-hmm. after a game, and it's just it's bonkers, man. It's absolutely crazy how off these guys are sometimes. You know yeah. what it is for me, and this is kind of why I even have an open mind to, <clears throat> excuse me, to umpires is, we don't we don't discipline the people that are bad, and that goes around to NFL, NBA, everything. Mm-hmm. There are some people who just not good at their job. Get rid of them, just <laughs> like a, a player would be. Yep. You would get cut. Yep. There's no reason why you should be collecting people's pensions yeah. and getting paid and and getting the benefits of being you know bad at your job and travel and you get to do the playoffs and you you know be a big part of a game if you're bad bye get out of here let's get someone else that's true. and that's why i kind of take the umpire you know the robotic empiring into into consideration because it's like they don't want to pull the plug on some of these bad guys but i just think it's it's so like eric burns was saying i think it's it's so hard to do that uh, 
when I say I want robots calling balls and strikes, it's not as an insult to to umpires. Mm -hmm. It's so hard to do. I want to give them all the help that they can get to get it right because ultimately that's all I want from umpires and referees. By getting rid (laughs) of you, yes, go away. I'm helping you. Would they have? Would they have like the robots like have to go travel to other cities or do you just have one built in? It's a it's a camera system that every stadium has. It's gonna be like if it's right behind. No, and then there's a little signal that's sent to the umpire that says right. What if it starts having a preference? It's like ooh, we're gonna like throw it (laughs) for the home team. I need actual robots. Everything man-made breaks, Rami. Remember. <laughs> that is true. Right. That is true. What if the AI became like a, a Giants Sentient. fan, you know, and it started, and it started favoring Why them? would you say that? <laughs> Giants fan of all people. Uh, we'll hit a robot. quick break. On the other side, it's a 49ers edition of What If I Told You. Whitey getting in some putts as we come back from the break here. Chipping. Oh, chipping. chipping. I'm sorry. Yeah. Is that what that's called? Yeah. Not a golf guy. <laughs> <laughs> Chipping is where you like you you flip it yeah. up in the air, right? Well, I have to say that because if I was that'd be horrible putting. So yeah, <laughs> I just heard yeah. the club hitting the ball and the and yeah. it, it yeah. rolling around. I didn't. I wasn't looking at, at what was going on. But uh, your golf game any good? No. <laughs> All right. <laughs> good horrible. to know. Good, horrible. Good to know. Coming yeah. up at uh, four thirty, we'll talk with King's Legend, your your podcast co-host. That's right. Jerry Reynolds. I'm kind of his co-host. Jerry, like I'm your co-host. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Jerry Reynolds will be here at 4.30, but it's time now for a little something we call here on the Cattles and Rami show. What if I told you? Yeah, fellas. What if I told you? Yeah, JJ takes the reins for this segment. Where I was kind of quiet. I didn't know why. A couple of questions. Yeah. Exactly. I was a little quiet here. Miss- we look at some of the more unexpected in the world of sports and go back in time, and Jay asks, what if I told you. Yeah, Jay, I think we should just replace all of us with robots, and that way no one will ever get anything wrong. <laughs> <laughs> right? Okay. Oh, man. We're going to go a little 49ers edition of What Have I Told You. We'll mm-hmm. begin with the topic everyone is talking about. Fellas, we'll get we'll kick it off with Whitey because he's the guest as mm-hmm. always. Thank you. Sure. This time oh. last year, what if I told you Brock Purdy would be the number one quarterback for the 49ers heading into the 2023 season? Wow. I probably honestly would have assumed that everything fell apart. Uh, Seriously. Brock Purdy? Okay. Major injuries to all the other quarterbacks. They must have all been on a bus together that went off a bridge or something. And they must have – the whole thing is unraveled. Uh, Shanahan, Lynch era hanging by a threat. Really, I would have thought Brock Purdy's a quarterback. That is terrible news for the 49ers. Would have been wrong. That's what I would have thought. Honestly, Jay, my 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 answer to that might at first be who? And then and oh that guy? You know what I'm like at this time last year, we Brock Purdy was barely on the depth chart. He was literally the last guy taken in the NFL draft. Like if you said the name to me. I'd be like, that sounds. Who is that again? That sounds familiar. Who's Brock Purdy again? And then once you once you told me, you were like, the guy, the his fourth string quarterback. He was Mister yeah, Irrelevant. Wow. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be like, are you are you serious? You, he's going to be the starting quarterback a year from now. I would think, like like Whitey said, like what happened to everybody else in in the quarterback room? I would ask, is Kyle Shanahan still the coach? I would ask, is John Lynch still the general manager? I would have asked, why didn't they get Brandon Allen? I swear to you, I, I, I brought this up recently when we were talking about Sam Darnold because I said the same thing about him. 
I remember specifically last year, JJ, you were here when when it came down to Brock Purdy. And I was like, folks, it's been a it's been a good ride, but the season is over. Like it's over. <laughs> yeah, it's a wrap. And I recently said the same thing about Brandon Allen, and I will stand by that. And more times than not, when you're talking about your the fourth quarterback on your depth chart reporting to camp and you're talking about Mr. Irrelevant. If it gets to him, it's it means that your season is over, and any and all hopes that you had have have gone by the wayside. And and it's amazing when you think about the fact that not only is that not the case, they're still considered one of the two or three best teams in the NFL. That's that's a wild, wild ride that we've been on in the last year. Rami, we kick it back to you. We heard whispers of this last year. What if I told you that Tom Brady not only would not be playing for the 49ers, would retire and become part owner of the Las Vegas Raiders? I didn't think he was going to retire. I just think I just thought he needed the spotlight too much. He's he's a dude who really craves attention. You know what I mean? And glory. I, I wouldn't have believed it. Um, the, the Raiders part of it, if anything, if you... If I thought Tom Brady and the Raiders were connected in any way this offseason, I would think that it was to go play for the Raiders. You know what I mean? Which they tried to get him to do before. I'd, I would think, oh, Mark Davis finally got his man. And then you'd be like, except he's going to be a part owner. I'd be like, that's that's weird. And is he still going to work for Fox? And I think the answer is yes. From, from all indications, he's still going to be in the Fox booth. But that would catch me off guard. Both the retirement and the fact he's joining the Raiders as something other than a quarterback. Yeah, I, I'm with you halfway. Uh, a year ago, if you told me he was going to retire, I think I would have bought that. Like, all right, you know, last year, a year ago, he's with Giselle still, right? It's like, yeah, she does. She's not happy about how violent the game is. So I, I wouldn't have had a hard time imagining that. But co-owner of the Raiders, I'd have been like, get, get out of here. That's <laughs> ridiculous as robot umpires. There's no way, no way that's going to happen. So I'm still, still trying to figure out what happened there. I would have thought he would have gone into. You know, wasn't he already producing films a year ago? Already involved in some of that? Yeah. Yeah. for Brady. TV yeah. 12 and, and all that. He's yeah. got all kinds avocado of... Avocado ice cream. Ventures. Yeah. 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 Has anybody tried avocado no. ice cream? No, we're not. <laughs> we're, not even, we're not even going to talk about it. Whitey, we're going to move on. We'll end it with this. What if I told you this time last year the San Francisco 49ers would not win the Super Bowl yet again? Um, I would have assumed injuries took their toll again, and I guess I would have been right. Uh, I would not have been stunned. They were geared up for it. It's just really hard to do, uh, but I wouldn't have been surprised or shocked because there's, there's no guarantee they're ever going to get one. It's hard to do. Yeah, I think that's the thing. We we get so... I, I call it the bubble effect. You know what I mean? When you, when it's your team and, and you watch them every week and you talk about them or listen to people or read to read people talk about them every day, you go, yeah, I mean, look at this team. They got, of course they're going to win a Super Bowl. But when you step back and take the 30,000-foot view, what Whitey just said is one team out of all 32 is, is going to end their season on a high note. Look you, at all the you know NBA what I mean? teams that are all in. Well, they're not all going to win. Give me the field yeah. against anybody. Yeah. You know what I mean? Including Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs or the Eagles or whoever you think is is the class of the NFL. Give me the field against anybody if, if we're going to lay some money down on it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I like the Niners' chances, but also... Chances are much greater that they they don't right. that they don't win the Super Bowl right. in any given year, and you can say that about any team in any sport. No matter how good it looks on paper, 
the the chances are far far greater that they are not going to be raising that trophy at the end of the season when all is said and done that's uh what if i told you we do it every week every thursday right here on uh cattles and rami right after this a lot of talk about nhl mls bring the a's to sacramento can we even handle that we'll discuss right after this cattles and rami cattles and rami Sacktown Sports.